0: Welcome to the Ignatius Press podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome. My name is Anthony Ryan. I am the marketing and sales director at Ignatius Press. I want to welcome you today to this Facebook Live uh, conversation with Father Timothy Gallagher and Chris McGregor. Uh, today, as many of you know, is the feast of one of the greatest saints uh, of modern times and maybe of any time, St. Therese of Lisieux. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be a great day to have this conversation, not only about Therese, but also about her family, and in particular her sister, Léonie, who is a very interesting person, and then also about her family. But before we do that, I'd like to introduce my uh, very honored guest today, Father Timothy Gallagher, who you see on the screen, is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, which is a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual formation according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, and we kind of like him at Ignatius Press.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, for many it's years, awesome. Father uh, Gallagher has uh, had an international ministry of retreat, spiritual direction, and teachings on the spiritual life. He's a frequent host and speaker on EWTN television. He's a writer of some eight books on Ignatius discernment and prayer. He currently holds the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver. So Father Gallagher, welcome.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: And then Chris McGregor, you see on the other part of the screen, founder and director of Discerning Hearts, which which is dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through new media and is a pioneer in creating podcasts, radio broadcasts and publications faithful to the teachings of the church She currently hosts nine radio programs on Spirit Catholic Radio Network, and uh, she uh, has Father Gallagher on often as a guest on Discerning Hearts. So we're very uh, honored to have the two of you here together. I know you're very busy, and um, so thank you for coming. I know you're both very knowledgeable, great devotees of St. Therese of Lisieux, whose feast day, as I mentioned, we're celebrating today. But all and also of her parents, two saints, Zelie. We could probably say Zelie in America, but it's Zelie and Louis Martin, canonized saints. And then we want to talk a little bit about her sister. I'm going to hold up her book, Leonie Martin, A Difficult Life. A very interesting woman. And do you see Chris has her book there? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other book we'll touch on is called A Family of Saints, uh, the Martins of Lassu, Martins of Lassu. And uh, so there's a lot to cover and our time is short, but we'll do the best we can to kind of just uh, get into it. Um, so I really want to start off with Leone. So I was wondering, Father Gallagher, I know you love Leone and, you, and you're knowledgeable of her. I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about Leone Martin, the sister of Therese.
2: Well, my guess would be that uh, even those who really love St. Therese and maybe the parents now who are canonized and are aware that there were a number of sisters in the family, the one that they're most likely not to recognize or to know is Leonie. She's always lost in the shuffle, and she was during her lifetime, and she tends to be until recently. That's changing, and I'd say kind of dramatically today. Uh-huh. I mean, the book that you held up is uh, evidence of the fact that there is, there was some years ago enough interest in her in English to translate and publish this book in English. But what Chris and I have just done this last summer. Um, is revealing uh, a depth of interest I think that none of us could have foreseen. People love her because she was the problem child who never gave up. And the love of whose family and whose faith brought her to, well, to where her cause of canonization is now underway at Rome. It's a remarkable story of hope. That's what Chris called it. it speaks of her as a bearer of hope, which is a great title.
0: Mm.
1: Chris, you want to add to that?
0: Well, I, I just am so grateful to Father Gallagher for doing so much research to bring Leonie's story more fully alive. I mean, really, it gave it uh, some, it, it really elevated the, it gave it up, rounded it out. That's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why we became attracted to her story is that a couple of years ago, we did a a series on the letters of St. Therese. And this was right after we had a conference in Omaha, Discerning Hearts Conference, where you were there, Anthony. You were there and it was on St. Therese. And I didn't even know her that well. I, I want to say, I mean, I understand the doctor of the church, Therese, and I knew a lot of her stories, the cute ones and everything else, but I didn't really understand the depth of St. Therese. And you had such a love for her that I thought I really would love to get to know her more. Mm-hmm. And Father Gallagher has, in, in conversations with him, I was surprised to find out that he was very much test. I mean, these two important guys I know, seem to have this um, uh, affinity and it have been inspired by the little flower. And you've gone on to do wonderful, beautiful things for the church. And well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, ahead,
1: So what I was gonna say is, uh, thank you, that's beautiful. Uh, You've obviously uh, quickly grown in your knowledge and love of Trez. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Thank you for all the good work you do uh, on discerning hearts regarding her and and, uh, so much good stuff. But you mentioned that she's a doctor of the church. I think that's a good thing for us to talk about a little bit as uh, as we move into this whole topic about this family. I mean, here's a woman who died when she was 24, unknown to the world, uh, barely didn't really get wasn't even appreciated much by her own sisters who said when she died well what are we going to write about Tres in our inner community newsletter mm-hmm. and yet she is a doctor of the church that is astounding so i was wondering father gallagher maybe you could just talk about that a little bit why is she a doctor of the church what is it about her that john paul ii wanted to declare her a doctor of the church saint Tres of lesu
2: Well, if you compare her to all the other doctors of the church, some remarkable things uh, come out. You know, think of John Chrysostom, Francis de Sales, and the rest of them. But she never had any formal education past the age of 13. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet, her literary output surpasses that of John of the Cross. In her 24 years of life, she Mm -hmm. wrote more than uh, John of the Cross did. She had had a native uh, intelligence. Um, today, if she were you know, in the secular world and were living that life, she would be very successful in any field that she might choose because she was just humanly, she was brilliant. When you couple that with a very deep life of faith and a very rich setting um, of upbringing in the family so that she knew, for example, that God could not be a severe judge because she witnessed her father and the love of, of, of her father and so forth. When you put all that together, you have the um the backdrop as it were for what happened this incredible gift of grace you know uh chris and i went through her letters of course it's all there in the story of a soul as well but she has this remarkable ability to see clearly through things the part of that's native human intelligence but a bigger part of it is grace working uh, within that and she has a a surety of of um, intuition into things she knows when things even what Everyone else is saying this sort of Jansenist-tinged um,
0: mm.
2: view of God as severe and so forth. She just knows by instinct it's not right. Well, you put all that together and you get someone who is rightly a doctor of the church. And you do need to get past some of the um, sentimental quality of the language. And once you do that, oh. you see the the steel in it and the richness in it.
1: That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I think, I think an obstacle, as you say, for people initially with Trez is uh, there's the flowery language and so forth. Uh, but once they get through that, I mean, the story of the soul is a publishing phenomenon. I mean, uh, let's just talk about that for a second. She wrote that at the request of, uh, of her superior, who was one of her, her own blood sisters, uh, just because they wanted her to write down her own experiences, memories of her life uh, and her spiritual uh, insights. And, you know, she just wrote it and turned it in and, you know, just figured, well, okay, that's the end of that. I I did that out of obedience. And then it just became this incredible spiritual classic published in who knows how many languages and how many millions and millions of copies, The Story of a Soul, and the impact that book has had on people, on their faith, on religious vocations, conversions. It's just astounding. And um, so that probably has something to do with her becoming a doctor of the church, just what, what was in that book, besides the other writings you say she did. A lot of people don't know that Trez wrote as much as you as you said. I mean, that's kind of a revelation for a lot of people. Uh, but what, I mean, usually a church, the church makes someone a doctor of the church because there's something they bring, kind of a charism or a special gift for the church that's unique, uh, that's kind of hasn't really been focused on before. What is it about her teaching, would you say, that was so unique? What, what was
2: it? Well, I'll just say very succinctly, if you look at the talk that um, St. John Paul II gave when he went to Lisieux, you know, um, and then also um, the document declaring her as a doctor, the, the essence of it is this, that she brings to the fore again the core of the gospel. There's nothing really new about it, but what she does is she brings to light the heart of the gospel, which is this immense love of God. Mm -hmm. and think of the first beatitude blessed are the poor in spirit it's all there sometimes i think you can summarize all of therese in the first beatitude the -hmm. joyful quality of poverty of spirit depending upon god with with such great confidence so against the backdrop of a pastoral practice and a view of god which was as i said tinged with a sense of heaviness out of nowhere as it were comes this miracle of grace you know this doctor of the church who recaptures Mm -hmm. the heart of the gospel And that's why everyone loves her because, oh, it's not as hard as I thought. God is closer to me than I thought. There's more hope than I thought. I'm gonna stop there, Chris, it's your turn.
1: Chris, do you want to add to that?
0: Well, I would only say if you want to see uh, Therese's doctrine in action, if you want to see how possible it is, then you look to her sister Leonie Mm -hmm. because she looked like it was impossible she was the smallest. She was the most forgotten of the for sure. Well, I mean, sure. we don't even know. If you ask people, all the devotees of Therese, oh, what sister? Whose sister? They, and if they do know of her, they would say, well, you know, she was the difficult one. She was the problem child. But yeah. they, they don't go into the depths of it, you know. And one of the reasons for Therese's cause going forward, as strongly as it did, is because <laughs> they looked at the life of Leonie. And Hmm. how she lived it out. She help me, Father Gallagher. Wasn't she referred to as uh, the apostle of Therese, and something that to that nature, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, she's considered the first disciple of Therese, and I'd say first both chronologically, because she begins to absorb this even while Therese is alive, but especially after the publication of the story of a soul, which was published a year after Therese died. And that book just uh, revolutionized Leonie's life because she said, this is my way, I can do this. And she consciously and repeatedly in her letters speaks of Therese as her spiritual director. So she was first chronologically, but I would also say uh, very much as you're saying, Chris, she was also first, I would say, uh, inspirationally, you know, or um, in an exemplary fashion because you know how Therese says in the story of a soul that if God could find a, a soul weaker and more poor than I, then he would pour out even greater graces. And Leonie understood herself, and humanly speaking, she was right to be that soul that was poorer and weaker. And that transformed everything. This this woman whose life could have easily ended in isolation and bitterness and a sense of rejection um and hopelessness you know what was her as her uncle and uh, said you know what what would she ever do that teaching of therese changed everything for her and that's why as you call her chris a bearer of hope she really is because what you see is if, if this woman can undergo this kind of transformation then there's not one of us who who has to feel bound and hopeless every one of us that's available. Very few, very, very few of us will ever start from a situation as humanly poor and limited as Leonie's.
0: And yet
2: look what Grace does.
0: Thank you, Father. Because Tony, when you you really look at Leonie, uh, how I discovered her was when we were going through the letters of St. Therese, very methodically with uh, Father Gallagher, and I was beginning to see just how rich this woman Therese was, to do that, Father lined up and began looking at her mother and her father Mm -hmm. and the family because Therese was born out of this garden that was so richly sown by the blood, sweat, and tears, and love, and prayers of this, this incredible um, Martin, Guren, uh, I'm, I hope I say it right, Gurun family, Yelly's so brother and sister. Just as a quick footnote, Tony, you need to know that that original, that original letter, that, or that tome of the story of the soul, correct me, the Allegor, if I'm wrong, but the first 2,000 copies were paid for by Isidore, her uncle. That's right, and he's the one. It took the family. A family makes saints. That's why I'll just say this is so good. Get to know this family. This is a family of saints. Yeah. I mean, there, there are heroes throughout this whole story, but there's a there's a point in the letters of Ther- right, right after uh, Thérèse. She's maybe about two or three years old. Zélie is she's dying. She knows she's dying. And she's writing to her dearest of friends, her sister-in-law Celine. There are so many Celines in this story, so many Teresas, so many Marie's. It's just beautiful. But her sister-in-law Celine, and she is—I'm um, going to paraphrase it—essentially uh, saying, "I would, I would suffer this all over again. I would do this if it only meant that that, that uh, Leonie could become a saint." She's dying. She's not thinking. She's not writing. I'm worried about Therese. She's not worried about Therese. She's not worried about Celine, Pauline, or, or Marie. Mm-hmm. She's worried about uh, Leonie. If she. Could, yeah. I will go through all this again. And for me, as a mom of, and I'll share this and um, and gladly so. It's been a blessing. My husband Bruce and I. We have three beautiful children. Two of them are in the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And when Father Gallagher read that that portion from what Zelie had said, I, I have said that, you know, because you're so worried about that child. You're so worried <laughs> about what's going to happen. I would go through anything. And I would dare to say that those who are listening to us right now and those who have listened to Father Gallagher's programs on this, there is, I think, Therese has, in her beautiful Therese way, for all the prayers of all the moms and all the dads and grandparents and all of the aunts and uncles who have cried out to her since about, you know, at least since the, in the 80s and 90s when the autism spectrum came up. But with all anybody who has had children mm-hmm. with disabilities or who have been afraid, they've cried out to Therese, help us. Therese has said in her prayers, look to my mother, mm-hmm. look to my sister. Look to them, look to this family, right. and you can go to them and they will pray for you and they will help you too. You are not alone. And Leonie, yeah. that that child that who is now a saint, St. Zali Martin, um, yeah. she, this little girl, is now a servant of God and on her way. She's on her yeah. way.
1: I mean, think about that. I mean, let, Father Gallagher, maybe you can talk a little bit in a second about the challenges that Leonie had of getting into religious life and, and uh, how, how much of a struggle that was for her to actually end up finally becoming a nun. But before we do that, um, so this was a child that they, they didn't know about the autistic spectrum and so forth. So they just, they just knew she was a challenge, a huge challenge for that family. So as you said, Chris, you and other parents who have children that are in that spectrum, they can really relate to that. And they would say, wait, wait, St. Therese had a sister like that? The Martins? Oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And, and she became a woman who could be canonized a saint. I mean, that's just great news. Uh, and so I'd like to find out a little bit, well, what were her problems? First of all, tell us a little bit about what were the challenges of Leone? What were her struggles? And, uh, and then as a child, but then also uh, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, she really wanted to become a nun like her sisters and maybe just describe that whole journey and how long that took.
2: Yes, I would say, as uh, you just said, Chris, this is a story for everyone, because Leonie is a bearer of hope for anyone. It's just a fascinating story in itself, but it it will give hope to anyone who reads. But I would say in a very special way, any parents, uh, any family that has struggled with, with a child in the family and had a difficult upbringing and has really worried deeply, as only, let's say, parents or siblings can, about what's going to become of this child, this is for you because this this will open up possibilities of grace that, humanly speaking, mm-hmm. uh, we, we would, we would uh, probably hesitate to believe. Well, mm-hmm. what were her struggles? Uh, very poor health throughout all of her life. She almost died during the first 18 months of her life. She had, um, uh, to liter- transliterate the French word, uh, a raging uh, eczema, which at times, any times of stress in her body, would co- uh, in her life would cover her complete body and it was a, a terrible torment to her she was intellectually backward uh, she did always did poorly in her studies she was always at the bottom she was emotionally deeply troubled um, uh, just as one example of that when finally celie was able to get her to try boarding school with her aunt who was a nun visitation nun uh, Zayli says it was like heaven for her, just not to have Leonie in the house. For she would have, uh, she would be uh, completely out of control. She would disrupt the entire family. Mm. So almost then she goes through a war. Uh, they have uh, German soldiers who have conquered, uh, living in their house. A terrible time for her the sister who was closest to her Helene who would have been her companion in life the way Celine and Therese and uh, Mm. Marie and Pauline were for each other Helene dies when she's five years old and uh, Leonie is at home she's the only one who's at home because the two older sisters are at boarding school and the two younger are not yet born when the Mm. other three children die young so she goes through all of this turmoil and upset and I think after talking with Chris You know, we'll need to hear the psychologists on this, but I would be very surprised if uh, Leonie is not understood to be on the autistic autism spectrum. Uh, She bears the signs of that.
0: Yeah, if I could just interject on that, you know, some of the things that she experienced that a lot of writers don't put in the books that they have. And Father Gallagher was able to kind of bring forward when she was right after she was born. It was a difficult pregnancy when she was born. She was tiny. Then she had, was it scarlet fever, and developed terrible whooping cough. And this is before she's even 18 months old. She had convulsions from the high fevers that really, I mean, it's a miracle that she even lived. And, that, um, and then she develops this eczema, her skin, this unbelievable sensitivity. And she has terrible intestinal issues. She's got major gut issues where she's not able to process certain foods, and then she develops, when she's still young, uh, problems with her eyes. Not so much that you can't see, but there's like, like a rawness. Now, now I'm only I'm only clarifying that because for kids in the autism spectrum, many of them experience those same things in early. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, as father. Um, so rightly puts forward we you know it will be up to psychologists who actually specialize in this post-mortem as they call it we've been talking with psychiatrists and psychologists from the catholic psychiatric association to clarify this but even if even even if if the word came down and it wasn't felt that she was in the spectrum Mm -hmm. the emotions and the feelings and the frustrations and the roller coaster and the ups and downs of of dealing with a child who's struggling, you know. And father talks mm-hmm. about when the um, the the soldiers come and they actually ac- occupy the house. Yeah. Well, where do they find Leonie? Eight years old, down in the basement, in the dark, in the corner. You know, just huh. trying to get herself because of all the activity. You yeah. know, and it's all, and children are dying. Is child, children? Yeah. And. Um, And the emotions within the home and who's there at Leonie, she's by herself struggling. So this, you know, and so they, she acts out, she's trying to express herself. She can't, she can't learn like other kids. Mm -hmm. How many of us have stories that we know who have friends who are like that. And, and other things. I mean,
1: well, as you say, as you both have said, she certainly is a cause for hope for a lot of uh, parents with challenging children. I mean, uh, as father said, you know, you, you'd be, you'd have to be look far to find a ch- child as challenging as Leonie was with all her with all her uh, difficulties. Uh, so I just want to I want to talk a little bit more about her and her, her vocation. But you mentioned a lot of people don't know that they actually had nine children. That four of them died. Chris, you're going to hold up that book cover of the family of saints. You'll see a beautiful icon of the whole family. And you'll see in the middle there that they actually have four little ones. And those four died uh, at different ages, all young. Uh, And so a lot of people don't know that. So this is a family that suffered a lot. They had a lot of suffering in this family. This was not, you know, some people think, oh, that family, they just kind of lived in this glass house of, you know, everything was just rosy and they all became saints. No. No. They had a lot of suffering, including those four children dying, suffering among the other family members, uh, challenges with work. Uh, but yet they were so generous, generous to their neighbors, generous to strangers, generous to poor people. We could talk a lot about that and we won't have time, but I would people should read the book to find out what made this family so great. You know, they, they, they were generous. They, they were not focused just on themselves. They took care of others, they suffered a lot. Azalea uh, Z- was a great lace maker. She had her, her own business. She was very good at it. I mean, they, they were just int- very amazing people, just on a natural level, not you know, just take away the, the spiritual level. They were, they were an incredible family on the natural level. And uh, I think people will be amazed what they find out about that family. But let me read. let me just read um, a quote from Trez from this book about her parents. She said, God gave me a father and a mother more worthy of heaven than of earth. <laughs> so as you say, it starts in the family. And uh, her parents are interesting in themselves. You read their stories. They're really both very interesting characters. I, I mean, I love those people. But here's what, here's what I want to read about Zaley. This is a, a few sentences. This is really important. What, what did the children mean to them? Uh, for them and this is really important this is right at the beginning of the book this is about three three or four sentences but it's important she said when we had our children our ideas changed we lived only for them they were all our happiness and we never found any happiness except in our children in short nothing was too difficult and the world was no longer a burden for us for me our children were a great compensation So I wanted to have a lot of them in order to raise them for heaven. Mm. I mean, that just says it all to me. You know, their their whole focus was on their children. And people, she says in the book, people uh, criticize her for having so many children and and one's dying. And she said, well, of course I, I was so sad when my children died, but I don't regret that. I'm happy that I had those children. I raised those children for heaven. I don't know if you want to add to that. I just thought that was
2: remarkable. Yeah. Yes, you know, when um, both of them, Zélie and Louis, had first thought, wanted religious life, uh, mm-hmm. Zélie had wanted to join a community in Alençon there. And by some kind of divine intuition, the uh, superior refused to let her join. And then uh, Louis tried to be a monk in the alps in a monastery there and because he couldn't learn latin you know he was refused obviously god had other plans and there's a big lesson in that too you know that uh, our plans which seem so clear to us when they don't materialize it may well be because god has something much better in store mm-hmm. in this case uh, as pius the tenth called therese you know the greatest saint of modern times of course here's a second daughter now now uh, canonized but um then they start to end, for, in the first months of their marriage, um, they even live celibately for the first months. until finally, a priest told them, you know, you, you're married, you have a responsibility. <laughs> well, then everything changed. Once Zayli had the children, uh, as she says in another, another letter, I was born to have children. That became uh, her whole life. And she really gave her life and her health and all of her energy for her children, which you see in the letters uh, if you read them.
0: And if I could add this too, you know, we've heard a lot about Louis and we love him. We're not trying to keep him out, but he has been, he was front and center in Therese's life. And so, so many of us know about Louis Martin. Mm-hmm. But we don't know uh, as much about the interaction with Therese and her mother because she was so young when she died. You know, she was only maybe four years old. She only lived with her for three, but Leonie is, and, and the other girls though, so this <laughs> Especially the way Father Gallagher has been breaking it open in this pod, new podcast series that we started on, Discerning Hearts, you see, I, I honestly think the way she loved and suffered in love, through love, with love, in helping to break through finally to Leonie, there is a breakthrough moment, and it and occurs at one of the most poignant times in this whole story, I think that was went a long way in fueling the grace that brought Zelie to sainthood. And, and it's really a love story of the, not only just Zelie and Leonie, but it's also, you know, as soon as Leonie or is uh, lost her mother, and then comes Therese. I mean, yeah. it, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary family that I think we're just beginning to get of this diamond we've we see this gorgeous diamond and we've seen the facet of the heroic story of Therese but now we're beginning to the parents and the sisters and you know those that aunt and uncle we all should have an uncle aunt and uncle like uh (laughs) Isidore and, and Celine.
1: they're in the book
0: oh yeah yeah me They're in the book.
1: I mean, you can you can uh, you can learn about all of them in that book. It's an amazing book. It's the definitive book really on the family and that uh, we brought it back. I mean, it was it was written years ago, actually. Um, I well, I do want to mention a book and I don't know if Christina, who is in the background, could help get it on the screen, but we published a uh, brought back another book that was um, came out maybe in the 80s uh, called um, St. Therese of Lisieux, the story of a life. Story of a life, St. Therese of Lisieux. So it's kind of a, a takeoff of story of a soul. And it's been by Bishop Guy Goucher, who was a Carmelite himself, I believe. And he was the Bishop of Lisieux. So he knew Therese's story intimately. He, and he published, uh, I think, a collection of her writings himself or, 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 or edited it or something. So he was, he's really an expert on Therese. And he wrote this book called The Story of a Life, St. Therese of Lisieux, and basically it was to fill out kind of the, you know, the life of Trez and her family that she doesn't really tell about so much in the story of a soul. Uh, and so it really does kind of complement the story of a soul. I don't have a copy of it here. Uh, we might be able to get a picture of it on the screen at some point, but I just want to mention that to people. So since It is the Feast of St. Therese. Uh, I want to call people's attention to the book, The Story of a Life, St. Therese of Lisieux, by Bishop Guy Goucher. Some people think it's the best biography of her written, and uh, we're happy to publish it.
2: Well, I just comment on that. Uh, I'm going to pronounce it as I would say it in French, uh, Bishop Guy Gaucher, but it's spelled G-A-U-C-H-E-R. I would say he is the preeminent writer and scholar on St. Therese. Anything that he's written on Therese or any of the family members, Uh, is gold. So that book, yeah, that's an excellent book. And that's a real service to have made that available uh, for people.
1: Oh, good. Well, thank you for that. Um, Well, let's go back to Leonie for a second. So Father, I was talking a a little while ago about the struggles she had to realize and find her vocation, her religious vocation, and how she persevered. Could you talk about that journey a little bit?
2: Now, this is one of the um, remarkable things about Leonie and she was she could do this because her family supported her and she had faith, but she had a will of iron, um, mm-hmm. and her Zayli saw that from uh, a very early age. If she set her heart on something, it didn't matter what kind of defeats or struggles she encountered; she was going to get there. And her entrance into religious life is a major case in point in her life. So um, her first attempt to re- to, uh, to join religious life was. Really, it's a, a tragic comedy, um, yeah. maybe more emphasis on the tragedy than otherwise. But they they have gone down to Alençon from Lisieux. Uh, it's a last visit for Marie, who is just about to enter the Carmel. And uh, to the surprise of everyone, when um, after they visited the poor Clares, who were a part of their life when they were still living there... Uh, Leonie appears behind the grill in the postulant dress of a of a poor Claire and she has suddenly um, just entered this community what the superior was thinking of Chris and I go through some of that in the in the podcast that Chris mentioned but however we judge that it's the kind of thing that Leonie would do it's embarrassing it's painful it's sudden it's poorly thought out I mean this is this is Leonie and um she lasts eight days. And then in shame, she, her father has to come down and, uh, and bring her home. A few years later, she tries a second time and this time with the visitation sisters. And, uh, this time it lasts two months and in shame and discouragement, she has to return home a few years later. And this is in the last years of Louise life. Therese is in the Carmel at this point. And we have a number of letters from Therese uh, during this third attempt this time it lasts two years. But, um, And again, I won't get into all the details, but it was too difficult for her. The eczema, everything happened. And this was probably the lowest point in her life. In her early 30s, which is advanced age in the culture of the time when women would marry at age 15, 16, things like this. um, For the third time, she is forced uh, in, in shame to return home. Terribly difficult time for her at this point. And it's really a grace of Therese, because Therese had promised before her death that she would pray for Leonie, that she would uh, Mm -hmm. be able to be a religious. She makes a fourth attempt, and uh, as she goes in, she says, this time I am not leaving except on my coffin. And she was there for 41 years in religious life. Um, But it's a fascinating story, and we're going uh, over all kinds of struggles. But Chris and I will be talking about those in the podcast.
0: Yeah. And they were, well, in- good.
1: And, and, and before we close, go ahead, Chris, I'll, I just want to do, do want to remind people to check out discerning hearts for the podcast. Is it DiscerningHearts.com? hearts.com? What is the yeah. website? Chris?
0: Just go to DiscerningHearts.com or go to discerning hearts on YouTube that we have a beautiful video that helps you sort through all the faces and all the people. That's the only, you know, it's a beautiful way to tell the story, but thanks Tony. Yeah. We hope people yeah. will come there. Um, And to be able to enter into this great story, but uh, just to put a cap on it, I just want to say, um, and I didn't realize until I read this, that Leonine was Therese's confirmation sponsor. So, you know, see what can happen. Uh, and with, I just, the graces that flow from this family are just extraordinary. And I would, you know, I'm so grateful to Ignatius Press. You, if you go to ignatius.com, you can find all these resources. You've got videos, you have, um, and, and not just the books that we've held up, you have so many different resources. And um, so many of them come over from, from Europe and are written so yeah. beautifully. So thank you yeah. to all of you. At it. Oh yeah,
1: no, it's a privilege for us. But the, you mentioned the video. Could you hold up that DVD you had, you showed earlier? Someone yeah. just asked about I'll,
0: that. I'll go grab it. Hold on.
1: Okay, and I'll just talk about it a little bit. So we have a DVD that was made on the 100th anniversary of uh, Tres's uh, death, I think. And um, there it is. It's called um, Saint Trez of the Child Jesus an Echo of the Heart of God. And you can see there, it's. Um, yeah, I think it came out in 1997, 100 years after she died to the 100th anniversary. And uh, it's a beautiful documentary it was made in France. It's considered one of the most definitive uh, films about her life shot on location and so forth. It's in English. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would definitely recommend that. Very well done. Uh, there are other things on her, of course, other films, movies and so forth. But I would say that's one of the one of the best things if you want to watch something. Chris, were you going to add anything?
0: Um, Just like that, you know, and I'm sure there'll be more and more for Leonie as time goes on. I mean, there's a grace. there's a, there's a fountain, or a spigot has been open, and a a fire hydrant of stuff on Leonie is starting to come out. But um, (laughs) she is a lot of the earlier stuff. They kind of dismiss her, and they just make her out like it it almost. It almost sounds as though she was uh, just a, a nasty kid. And there are a lot of things going on under there. And you, can't, you, you just can't judge that book by that cover. You really can't. Somebody, uh, Father Gallagher, and, and one of the comments that somebody said, you know, they, they call her a problem child. And the woman said, um, there are no problem children. There are children with problems. And that's, you know, you begin again. <laughs>
2: well, one of the things that uh, you see from the earliest years even as her mother, her aunt, and so forth speak about all the very real problems with um, um, Leonie, they will all it's almost like a refrain. She has a heart of gold, and oh. she did. And that's why she wins you over. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, one of the comments about her is that she never had an enemy in her life, and it's true. Uh, she really did. With all her foibles and irritating oh. uh, ways of living and so forth, everyone always knew the goodness that was in her heart. There was stuff for God to work with there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, and by the way, um, she's a pretty recent, um, you know, she's not a canonized saint yet, but she died in 1941, so she, she's pretty recent in our times. Trez died back in 1897, so again, you see the big, you know, the, the span there. I mean, Therese has gone for most of her life, you know, and, uh, and yet the impact that Therese had on Leone is, is incredible. As you say, she called herself the first disciple of the Little Way. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful family uh, story. But, I mean, Leonie lived a lot longer than Therese. I mean, she died, I think, in her 70s or something. She died in, in 1941. So it's kind of a modern story as well.
2: You could say that uh, Therese shaped the little way, and Leonie exemplifies it, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a way that would be hard to beat. Chris, I, you had something to say here.
0: No, I, I couldn't. What was it, Do you remember the quote about the violet? What did she say about herself?
2: Yes. Well, Therese says this at the start of um, of the story of a soul when she's pondering how it is that God seems to give such enormous graces to some and so little to others who hardly even know Jesus and so forth and how you make sense out of that. And then uh, she looks at flowers and that that gives her her answer. You have the rose and all the the, the flowers that really excel, but they wouldn't be as beautiful if you didn't have the constellation of all of these flowers. And she has that line, God made the violet too which uh, so much exemplifies Leonie that in fact, one of the biographies written on her uses that as a title, God made the Violet too. Um, And that's how uh, Leonie sees herself. I'm just a humble Violet, but I'm Mm -hmm. so happy to be that uh, and and to know God's love and to live in that relationship that way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I would say, uh, you know, we could talk for days, actually, on this topic. We basically just scratch the surface, and that's kind of what we do in these discussions, is we we whet people's uh, appetite for more, and there's certainly plenty more. As you see, the book that Chris is holding up, Leone Martin, A Difficult Life, the Sister of St. Trez of Lisieux, her cause for beatification was open a few years ago. She'll probably be canonized before her other sisters. I mean, think about that. They're all probably saints, so they the ones that became Carmelites as well, but she's ahead of them. Don't and then the other that? book... I love it. If you want to hold up the other one, Family of Saints, um, I don't the, na- the name of the author I'll probably butcher, but Father Stéphane Joseph Piat, he was a Franciscan, and again, he was somewhat of a contemporary, I think, of their family, or at least he, he lived back close to their time. So it's a very uh, authoritative book on the whole family. It's a very fascinating story. Uh, and then the one that I we don't have a copy of Saint Joseph. Let's the story of a life uh, by Bishop uh, I say Guy Goucher, but that's a butcher job as well. I, and then there's the video there.
2: I could probably get it if you uh, if we have enough time, but we'll let it. go. Well, that's okay. I have that's it in okay. the well, behind me.
0: That's how po- That's how good that book is. That's on Father Gallagher's bookshelf. So if you if it's on his bookshelf, you know. I mean what a great endorsement. Sure. If you
1: want to person. get it, if you if it's just if you it's just, just turning around to get it, that'd be fine if you want to grab it. We can we can oh, show the picture. And while you're looking for it, um,
0: here's the video. Again. So I
1: just want I want yeah, there's the film, the uh, Saint Tristan Child Jesus, the echo of the heart of God. A very fine documentary. So I would encourage people to really get that and check it out. Okay. Um so, uh, I want to and thank pray.
0: Chris Yeah, pray to that father. family. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I mean, better and read the book, but also pray with them. Pray with the the, the Martan family. I mean, I, hey, don't forget Pauline, Marie, and Celine. They're available, they're on their way. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
2: Ask for the intercession. That's right. Father, I, do did you find the book? I do have it, but it's an earlier edition. So
1: okay well, that's fine know, yeah so it's the story of a life and uh if you want to read a great bio biography of trez that would be one all right so uh we're gonna have to wrap it up here as i say we could go on for a long time but thank you father gallagher chris mcgregor for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us to talk about saint trez leone and the martin family appreciate that I remind people to go to discerninghearts.com to, to learn uh, more about the work of these two uh, great Catholic leaders here and to listen to the great podcast that they both are doing on discerninghearts.com. Thank so thank you. you both for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Tony.
0: Thank you. thank you. And everyone at Ignatius Press, thank you. You've inspired, you inspire the world. Thank you.
1: Thank you. God bless you.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at Ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.